TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is Joel Redwanski on Two Guys and a Mic. We're waiting for Adam Hogue to coach. He's coaching. That's what he does every once in a while in the middle of the summer because he's a basketball coach. And, man, are there plenty of things to be talking about here on this gorgeous Tuesday morning in the city of Chicago. Uh, we've got baseball teams that are about to resume tonight. Uh, the Braves coming in to, to take on the Chicago White Sox. The, the Cubs fly out west, and uh, Lou Pinella visits his old haunt. And uh, the Cubs are about to take on the Seattle Mariners. A little intrigue in that series when you consider that Carlos Silva will be going in Game 3 against Felix Hernandez, last year's American League Cy Young Award winner. And uh, Carlos Silva was a Seattle Mariner. He was traded out there for a guy by the name of Milton Bradley, who the Cubs gave up on. And, uh, and so there should be a little bit of intrigue. And if anybody knows the Cubs, if anybody knows Milton Bradley, he's been horrible this year, which means that for the next three games, he's about to drive in about eight runs, probably a game winner, make a couple great defensive plays, and you know, pretty much just drive the Cubs absolutely crazy. If, if you know the Cubs, that's probably what to expect, so don't be disappointed when it actually happens. Uh, plenty of World Cup action going around, uh, a little residue of the, of the U.S. Open. I cannot believe the collapse of Dustin Johnson uh, yesterday at Wimbledon. Are you kidding me, Roger Federer? You're supposed to be the greatest player of all time. No, no, you're not supposed to be. Actually, you are the greatest player of all time. And you have a problem with this Fala guy from Colombia? Are you kidding me? Um, Roger Federer was a serve away from being knocked out of Wimbledon in the first round. Whoever expected that? I mean, the guy is at worst the second best player in the world. He's the number one seed at Wimbledon. And he almost gets knocked out in the first round. That doesn't happen very often, folks. The first round, uh, the number one seed has only lost one time ever in the history of, uh, in the first round in the history of Wimbledon. So that stuff doesn't really, uh, go on very much. What's Plenty going on, big dog? Plenty to talk about here, uh, in the world of sports. What's up, David Olson? It's, it's Hogue. I'm here. Hey, what's up, Adam? How are you doing, buddy? Good to, uh, good you to talk what? to you. I know how traffic can be. Well, let me tell you what, big dog. If you're on the Edens right now, first of all, you're probably not listening to us. But yes. but uh, if you if you are listening to us and you know somebody who's on the Edens right now, just stay away from Foster. Just gotcha. the, the the entire Foster area on the Edens, just stay away from it because it's a, it's a nightmare right now. But uh, I got here and uh, it's good to it's good to talk to you, Big Dog. It's good it's good to talk to you too, Adam. It's uh, you know what. Uh, you, you, you keep it light. You keep it interesting. I'm glad that you're doing the the morning break this morning. It's good to have you on. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I just heard a little bit of what you were saying about uh, uh, Roger Federer, and that was certainly a big story yesterday. I've been trying to – how are you on this whole World Cup thing? Because i got a lot of things to say about the World Cup. A lot, uh, you know, a lot of bad, not very much good. Well, you know what, I want, I want to – I have a lot to say about it in, in a similar fact that I appreciate gigantic sporting events, okay? So, like, I can watch this, and I'm going to watch all month. I keep on watching all of it. 
And I'm not one of those guys that absolutely hates soccer, so I pound the World Cup. I can appreciate great athletics. But, but FIFA, the actual governing body of football, that, they're an absolute joke, that particular organization. Some of the decisions that have come out, some of the secrecy, why can't you just say, hey, you know what, the official blew it, uh, you know, or stuff like that. Uh, instead, th- they have embarrassed themselves over and over again in this tournament. And, and now I remember why I get turned off by this sport, besides the fact that the Italians and all these other people are always diving trying to get calls, and sometimes they get them. Yeah, you know, I came into this thing, and I thought I was going to be a soccer apologist for the next month. I used to play soccer. I remember uh, the last World Cup in '06. I was into it, so I was actually Pretty excited coming into this. I think the last week and a half has been embarrassing to the sport. I'm not a, a big soccer guy. I just I like the World Cup, and it's it's been horrible. It's it's and you're right. It it doesn't really have much to do with the games. Although for the most part, a lot of them have been boring. The last few days have been a little better, but it really comes down to the refs, the flopping, uh, and it's overshadowed something that is kind of significant in that. The fa- a lot of the favorites have gone down, and the U.S. hasn't looked all that bad. If there's ever been a situation where the USA could actually have a chance to win this thing, I would say it's this year, so we'll have to see that. I have a lot more to say about that coming up. I Continue on just setting up what we have for the next hour. Uh, Mark Harmon, our, our old buddy, is going to join us at 9.15. Uh, he's down there in Kansas City now, and I, I want to get his take on what's going on with conference expansion down there because I think up here in Big Ten country where we are, it's kind of, well, look, we got Nebraska, and this is good, great. There was a lot of panic down there in the Big 12, specifically in the Kansas City area, because they didn't know what was going to happen to Kansas, one of the best basketball programs uh, in the country. Ever. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I really want to hear their take, uh, what's went on in Kansas City, and also if if there's there's no one better to talk to about the LeBron James situation um, than Mark Carmen. So we're going to get his take on that. Is that really dominates? You know, I didn't even realize the, the NBA draft is on Thursday. And it's before free agency. I didn't even realize. I mean, I knew it was coming up, but I, I, I didn't realize till this morning that the draft is in two days. Just no one cares about it. It's you all about that, LeBron. That, that happens a lot for the NBA draft. Either the NBA draft, and everybody talks about it from the day uh, that the finals are over, or you just it'll, it'll totally sneak up on you. And I guess it depends whether or not there's like three or four top players that are coming out, and you don't know where they're going. Basically, it's. I, I mean, I like Evan Turner. I think he's going to be a good player. But after Evan Turner, I mean, what? I mean, everything else is a crapshoot. There's nothing. Wesley Johnson, are you 100 percent positive he's going to be any good? You know, there's a bunch of just a bunch of question marks in the NBA draft this year. Definitely not one of the more more marquee drafts we've ever seen. Yeah, and I personally think a lot of you know, there's maybe a little bit too much stock going in. To John Wall, not that he's gonna not gonna be. He, I think he's gonna be a great player, but I honestly believe that the best NBA player in the draft is Evan Turner. I agree. I, I totally agree with that. I, I, that's that's that was my point. He's the only guy that I think is going to be a legitimate good basketball player where you don't have to worry about it. Now, John Wall, I don't. He's going to be great. I don't know. I don't. I, I think he he's going to be decent. I I don't know if he's got like that upside that we've seen like with uh, with uh, what Evans and uh, and what what do you call it, uh, Derrick Rose. I really don't think we he's that type of point guard. I'm not 100 percent positive about it. So. He might be. Well, yeah, the only he, thing, other thing that I really set up was, uh, you know, I did say the Braves are, are in Chicago, but I also set up the fact that uh, 
the Cubs are in Milwaukee, and now they're taking on Milton Bradley and expect Milton Bradley to go off for the next three games, even though he's hitting two fifteen with six homers so far this season. So. Yeah, we got we we got some uh, baseball talk definitely for sure. You know, you talk about two of the hottest teams in baseball. They're going to be facing off on the south side of Chicago. The White Sox winning ten of eleven, and the Braves are somehow they somehow have the best record in the National League when Chipper Jones is having a terrible year and Brian McCann is having a terrible year. Uh, it's really pitching, and pitching is what is what been driving the White Sox in the last eleven days as well. Uh, so this might be a really good three-game set as far as pitching goes. And then, of course, probably the bigger story, even though two bad teams, two horrible teams facing off in Seattle, is what's going on, the Cubs facing Milton Bradley again. And and I've already heard some discussion this morning uh, around the Chicago airwaves about maybe the spark for the Cubs could be beating Milton Bradley and... and and getting revenge on what was an awful experiment in Chicago. Now, I, th- I think that's crazy, but as Lou has told us over and over again, he doesn't know what to do. So maybe maybe they just go after Milton Bradley tonight, and uh, it, it turns around everything. Yeah, I, I love that answer. So, so, Lou, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. You know, he keeps saying it, you know, but... What do you I want me to do? I love that idea. You know, I didn't even consider being in Bradley. So... <laughs> I, I, have they brought they brought up a pitcher recently, didn't they? I don't know. Maybe that's why they signed Bob Howry. You know, he still throws like ninety four. Now it's 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 about as straight as an Ichiro throws, so that's why it's so hittable. But send him in there, buzz buzz the tower. Hopefully he hits him in the head, and then you know what? All of a sudden they're fired up. Oh, I can admit that would be a brawl. That would be a, a great story to actually have. And I'm nor- I'm not into being in guys normally, Adam. But I, I actually the way he acted towards the Cubs organization, towards his teammates, towards his fans. If there was ever a player that deserved to be laying on his back with a ball in his ear, it was Milton Bradley. And I'd be more than happy to tell that to his face. So, really, that guy's a joke. So I would be more than happy to have that happen to him. Well, and it's not actually that crazy of a... I think the notion that maybe it would turn around the season is pretty crazy, but for what he caused in the clubhouse last year, it wouldn't surprise me if he at least gets a pitch or two up and in. Yeah, you know what? I mean, like when Derek Lee not only gives the olive branch, offers it, hey, let's go out to eat. Let's, you know, let's get to know each other. No, nah, I don't want to. And that was that was like April first. You know, it was right when they got back from spring training. I, I, there was and uh, many other Cubs were like, you know, trying to be like friendly with him, and he wouldn't even talk to anybody on the team. And then he blames the rest of the team for every all their woes and and all of his problems. Uh, I would love that. I, I didn't even consider hitting him and. Just bring in. I don't want to lose Dempster, so I don't want it to be done tonight. Um, and and you got to do it. <laughs> You're in a situation where there's two outs, nobody on. I don't want to start any rally or anything like that, and and get one of the middle relievers that really hasn't pitched all that well, even though they've done pretty well lately. So I just as long as it's in Mar- then none of the starters, starters or Marmol or Marshall, everybody else. Has the okay for me to put Mar- Milton Bradley on his back? Well, it might be uh, hard to start a rally if that 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 implies that the Cubs would have a lead in the game, which has uh, been pretty hard for them to do. <laughs> Besides on Sunday, of course, when they probably wasted all their offense for the next two weeks by scoring oh, 12 that's runs. That's exactly what I thought. You have no idea. I was like, when it was, right when it was 8 nothing, yeah, I, I was like, you know, don't score anymore. <laughs> that might sound kind of bad, but I was, actually, I was like, don't score anymore. You do that thing. That's that's how they've won recently. Where either it's been coasting or they absolutely just hand the game away. I know we did lose twelve nothing. We they lost twelve nothing, but that was pretty embarrassing. But uh, 
you know, this team was, the Cubs were losing at them in a way where it was always like, oh, they didn't situational hit. And that's why they lost. They lost 4-3, blah, blah, blah. Well, the last, like, 10 days, they have they were doing just what the White Sox were doing early in April, figuring out ways to lose. You know, and oh, the White Sox have obviously cured that. They've got a nice little formula going, hold the team to one run and just get a couple hits and you, you beat somebody 3-1 to one and, then you know, that's good enough. But, yeah, the Cubs have reverted to kicking the ball around. It's like ever since the World Cup started, they thought they were playing soccer. Well, it's interesting what you just said about the White Sox because – uh, the, all the talk in the first couple of months when they were really struggling was about how bad the offense was, and it was bad, but what was kind of flying under the radar was the fact that the pitching staff was nowhere near where it needed to be. In fact, it was, I, I believe, it, just a few weeks ago, second to last in the AL as far as Team ERA goes. It, it, it was last at one point, and it was in May. So, yeah, it, yeah. They, they've been moving up. So they have been last. Significantly into the season this year in ERA in the American League, but it's no—I don't think it's any coincidence that all of a sudden the pitching's better and the offense has really started to come around. And it kind of happened at the same time. And I think you could say it the other way around too—that the offense was starting to improve a little bit, and all of a sudden the pitchers maybe relaxed and, and, and stepped up their game a little bit as well. And it's amazing how the two—the two aspects of the game, which. Uh, aren't really related when you're talking about the same team, but it really, on a good team, every, any year, you're going to see both of them kind of feed off each other, and I, th- I think it's a matter of pressure. You take the pressure off the hitters, the hitters take the pressure off the pitchers, all of a sudden you win 10 out of 11 games. Yeah, a perfect example that is, and I'm, I'm sure that you, you know your baseball, you'll agree with this. The Phillies are a good team, and Roy Halladay is the number one ace. And for some reason, the Phillies went through some type of slump that I've never seen a good team like that go through. And all of a sudden, Halliday was a bad pitcher. You know, all of a sudden, he had to make sure he couldn't give up one run or his team would lose. And all of a sudden, he pitched as poorly as he has in like eight years over the last couple starts. And I'm not saying he was bad, but his ERA was like around four. And you never see him, you know, losing baseball games and giving up big hits and stuff. But when you have to hold somebody to zero runs or one run, it makes it difficult. And... Well, the White Sox, they seem to, they've got their ship rolling. And in, in, in that particular division, the Twins won't be able to run away from anybody. You, you can win that particular division with 87 games. And now that they're 500 before the All-Star break, 87 games is actually doable. you got two guys in a mic here. My name's Adam Hogue filling in for Coach, who's out all week. Big dog on the phone. And uh, a lot of talk. I mean, I, I kind of woke up this morning. Yesterday was a very slow day in sports. Uh, both Chicago team, baseball teams off and, and all of a sudden the NBA finals are over. But then I, I, you know, I started going through everything that's going on, started writing down some notes and there's actually a ton to talk about today. Uh, like I mentioned, Mark Harmon from, uh, who's out in Kansas City at 610 Sports Radio. He's going to join us to talk LeBron and Big 12. Uh, really conference expansion in general, but I really want to, get a focus on what happened in the Big 12. Also, maybe if we have time, uh, got a little bit to say about the U.S. Open. And even, uh, I don't I don't know your opinions on Patrick Kane, but this is the first time I've been on the air for a while, Big Dog, and I really, I need to get s- some things off my chest about Patrick Kane. Well, I, I feel free because we haven't had any hockey talk in a couple days on the show. And I, mean, I, I don't know where the cup was last week, but. Or, or yesterday, because you, you always get the tour. So whoever had it yesterday must have been like a, a you know, a, a Jalmerson or some of like that, because I didn't actually see the where the Stanley Cup was update yesterday. 
and uh, a little bit of World Cup. And let's jump into this World Cup stuff right now because I want okay. I want to go a little bit more in depth than what I said earlier. And my whole thing about FIFA, you got the biggest field in sports, right? I mean, is there a bigger field? Uh, cricket. Cricket. Okay. <laughs> I'm guessing too. By the way, I don't really know. I don't know I either. I don't know anything about cricket. Field. But we're talking about the biggest field. This is bigger than a football field for sure. You yeah, got definitely. the most players on the field. No, no, Canadian or is it the football sa- league. Is it the Canadian Football League? Yeah, the, the field's about the same size, and there's twelve. There's twelve players per team. Okay, and I'm not trying to correct you here, but you know. Well, I mean, I'm not putting much stock in the Canadian Football League either. Probably about the. You're, you're not, oh, you're not putting that like as a real sport. No, I'm not counting that. Okay. okay. <laughs> but you have one guy refing the the damn game. I oh, mean, you got your two side judges or whatever that do the offsides every <laughs> single time. There's anything exciting that happens, but you have one guy running around the field. I mean, how does this make sense? The NFL and in college football, you have a uh, what like third. 30 officials on the field, yeah. like one guy looking at each player. And, and and in soccer, you have one guy who's running around the field and basically missing every call that you could possibly see. It doesn't make any sense. There needs to be more officials on the field. There's plenty of room. It's not, it's not like you're going to say the officials are going to get in the way. I mean, they have four uh, officials on a NHL rank where there's hardly any room and there's players flying all over running into the boards, and you still manage to get four officials on an ice rink that's slippery. you got this huge, massive field and one guy who's running around, and he's missing all the calls. I don't understand it, and I feel like you add two more officials, it's going to make the sport a lot better. Well, according to Coach, those offside guys can help the officials. So he can be like, hey, you know, this happened or that happened. Now, I, I don't know. I, I, from what I was told, it was all the officials. But the thing that drives me crazy, I'm not asking for replay in terms of the actual play on the field. But if some guy gets a red card and he didn't do anything, okay, that guy has to miss, what, two games in a row after that? And there's there's been instances in this World Cup where people got a red card and didn't do anything. And some guy was faking. He was feigning the fact that he Yeah, I think it was Kaká who's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's the best player on the Brazil team, which is probably the best team in the entire World Cup, but he was just kind of jostling with, and I even forget the team they're playing, it happened the other day, but he's jostling a guy, and not only does the guy flop, but he puts his hands over his face, like he got yeah. elbowed in the face, uh-huh. and he didn't, I mean, there was no, the only contact was on his chest, so he, not only did he flop, which is bad to begin with, but he acted like he got hit in the face when no one touched him in the face, and Kaká gets a second yellow card, and which is in turn a red card, and he misses the next match. And that's, it's horrible. And that's ridiculous. And so it was a bad call by the official, and now this guy has a so I, I understand, like, you don't want to use the replay on the, on the, like, the U.S. play, the play. But if somebody is wrongly accused of something, or if somebody should have got a red card, you know, maybe that happened. Maybe the, the ref didn't see some guy just punch somebody in the back of the head on the other side of the field. You know, maybe there should be the ability to go back and be like, you know what, you're out for the next game, or you know what, sorry, the referee missed that. You know, it's kind of like balls of strikes. You, you can't, you don't want to mess with it on the field play. That's fine, but you're talking about really, really hurting a team, taking at least their their second best player off of the off of the field for them, and that, that's not it's not right. There's a lot wrong with that stuff, a lot. And and the flopping that goes on, 
Yesterday in the Swiss game, okay, first of all, that Swiss guy did elbow the guy a couple of times in the face. Yeah. I had no problem with him getting the red card. But later in the game, uh, who were they playing? Paraguay or? Oh, I forget s- whoever the Swiss were playing. But later on in the game, uh, some Paraguayan guy, like, threw his hand up, like, shut up to the dude. Like, and he was behind, like the guy was behind him, and he had his back to him. And he, like, shut up. And the, the Swiss guy flies at full speed and lands on his back. And the guy comes over and gives the guy a yellow card. And the... the it was hilarious. It's not the American. It's like I never even came near the guy. It, it, right then, I was like, you know what? This guy is like, if he if he just say he commits a hard tackle that ends up being borderline and gets a yellow card, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be taken out of the game, all because of some guy. Like, he never even touched him at him, and the guy flopped and he got a yellow card. Yeah, Switzerland playing Chile yesterday, I believe, Chile, or, or right, two yep. days ago, maybe. It was it was it was recently, and that's the game you're talking about. And just as we're talking about this, I find a story from the Associated Press uh, with the headline: FIFA unfazed by criticism of refs. And there's a quote in here, very early in the story, from Jose Maria Garcia Aranda. That's a lot of names in one. He's the head of refereeing for the sports governing body, and he said. We are very, very satisfied with the performance of the referees. I, I, I don't know. Like How can you possibly? I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm a soccer expert. I used to play soccer, but I wouldn't even. I would hope that FIFA would know more about soccer than me and what's a good call and what's a bad call. But I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong when I say that the the refs have been horrible throughout the entire tournament and very odd in the tournament i said soccer is the worst officiated sport out of any sport there is and i said that mainly because they're just to me there aren't enough refs and they're missing too many things and that was before all these horrible calls and and how you can come out yesterday this quote was made from the head of refereeing of fifa and saying we are very very satisfied with the performance of the referees that's beyond me that doesn't make any sense it just no, doesn't that's, that, you know what you you don't say that. You got to be like, hey, there's, it's human error. Stuff happens, and there've been some bad calls. I mean, say that. If, otherwise, you look like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, like when a guy gets caught cheating, when he's like, no, no, baby, I didn't have sex with her. The woman really gets mad. You know what I mean? You got to be like, all right, I made a mistake. That's exactly what has to happen here. Otherwise, like legitimate, reasonable people who are on the border, whether or not they want to like the sport, totally turn off. Or maybe they're just so popular all over the world they could care less if America actually jumps on board because in 90% of the countries in the world, soccer is the biggest sport in the in the country. Seriously, if you take U.S. out of there, you maybe maybe take uh, uh, Russia because hockey is their favorite sport, and maybe a couple Scandinavian countries, and everybody else in the world their favorite sport is football. There's a lot of reasons why soccer doesn't catch on in America, and it's. It's kind of amazing, actually, to me because I think that when you look at little kids and the games they play when they're when they're young, I think soccer's right up there. I feel like almost all kids end up in soccer at some point, and, uh-huh. and, and then they lose interest very quickly. And I think that says a lot about how it doesn't catch on in America. But another reason why it doesn't, and a lot of Americans complain about this, is ties. Ties in soccer. Now, I will actually go out there, and this, this might not be the, the uh, popular opinion in this country about ties, but I understand them. This is the one sport where I understand them. Because just the way the game is played for 90 minutes, there's very few chances. And if you're going to argue that in the, the, at least the group stage where ties are allowed, once you get to the round 16, it's sudden death, so there are no ties. They, they do a penalty shootout. 
Uh, but you can't have penalty kicks decide these games. In, I, I agree with you there. In, in yeah. the early round, there's just too much. There's very little scoring opportunities. These guys play for 90 minutes, and to have it come down to a shootout, just to have a team come away with zero points in a game that really is, you know, comes down to minute by minute. They tie at the end. That's, that's just not fair. They should each get a point, and I understand it. Um, and no. and and then once you get to the knockout round. You you get the shootout, and even when it happens, you kind of feel like, I mean, there's no other way to do it. It's sudden death. You have to have a team lose. But even then, you get the feeling like, man, maybe that team didn't deserve to lose the game. It's, it's I, tough to I, say I couldn't that. agree more. I, I mean, I absolutely have no problem with the ties, the draws, whatever the heck they want to call them, in the, in the, the, the first round. Now, how many players are there on a roster? Like on the World Cup U.S. roster, how many players are there? Uh, on the entire roster, I I believe there's always like five or six subs. I thought there were more than that. I thought there was like well, well, there's a there, on the roster. The, yeah, but I uh, you're right. And it, but in a game, I think there's a there's certain amount that you can have dress. Oh, okay. So, so like kind of like hockey then. Right. You only have like five or six options for subs. Okay. There there are more, I believe, later on, you know, further down the roster. But I'm thinking more in in that regard, uh, like uh, professional teams, not not um, international teams. So well, I'm not sure how many beyond that there actually are on an international roster because well, I know that there, there were some decent like po- 15 guys on the sideline, and if even if there's only like 10 guys on the sideline. I know there's only a certain amount of substitutions, and during regulation play, I have no problem with that. Don't change the rules of who the ball keep it the same. But if they go to overtime, maybe you should be able. To, so there, and and you have to figure out a way to score a goal. You know what I mean? And not have penalty kicks and allow as many substitutions as you want during overtime. Because that way, because these guys can't play forever. I mean, that's yeah, it's a decent idea, and I and I don't disagree with you. And I would almost take it a step further and allow. More subs, you know, later in the game as it is, more than just three, because one of the downfalls I've seen is that late in the game when it's tied, it's all, I've, I've seen like players, what game was it? There, one team had a corner in stoppage time at the end of the game, a corner kick in a tie, and they just kicked it in and let the referee blow the whistle, and that was the game. They didn't even try because they were so tired. They just accepted the tie. And and one of the great things when you see a a hockey game in overtime, especially in the playoffs, you know they're tired too, but there's still some exciting hockey going on because they are allowed line changes. These guys get a breather, and in soccer, it's after 90 minutes, these guys are just dead tired, and there's not that many scoring opportunities late. When you feel like, hey, this is the final minutes, these guys should really be pressing and trying to score the game-winning goal. And and I don't care what anybody says. What I'm going to say it might offend somebody, but listen to the whole thing. Like if you play the, like a play or playing consecutive plays in football is a lot more grueling than the same amount of time of soccer. In hockey, it's a lot more grueling than soccer. But where soccer beats any sport is the fact you play the whole game. You know what I mean? So it's like all, after 90 minutes, it's ridiculous because you don't come off the field, you don't stop, you keep going and going and going. So. Like, uh, the intense, the intensity that you play, like with football or with, or with hockey, those guys come off the field and then they get their rest back. And that really makes a difference. If you play for basically 45 minutes and then 45 minutes, that, 
that's crazy. So if it, I did not see the game you're talking about, and I'm glad I didn't see it because I would have been irate because lack of effort is the only thing that bothers me in sports. Stupid Stupidity and lack of effort is the only thing that I get upset about. Hard to disagree with that, and I think we've made it very clear that Americans don't care about this sport, so I think it's probably time to move on. But one <laughs> quick last note on the World Cup. South Africa leading France right now 2 nothing, and that is the team France, one of the favorites that has really just... They barely qualified. This is a team that was in the final in the last World Cup. They they lost to Italy, and they're not even going to advance out of the first round. If the results hold right now, it'll be Mexico and Uruguay. That'll move on. So that's a, a pretty significant development uh, in the World Cup. France getting knocked out, and they have all these issues with players leaving and all this stuff. We could probably go on and talk about it for another half hour, but I think it's probably time to move on. In fact, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to get Mark Carmen on the phone from Kansas City. Because i got a lot of interesting things that have to, you know, talk about LeBron. Uh, this is really when the LeBron talks heat up. There's rumors that he was in Chicago, in the Highland Park area, the last couple days looking for houses. I want to talk about that. And, again, the conference expansion. So, Big Dog, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get Mark Carmen on the line from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. You got Hogan the Big Dog on Two Guys and a Mic. Back on two guys and a mic. I'm Adam Hogue filling in for coach today. Hot day here in Chicago. It's already getting up towards 90 degrees. We got Big Dog on the line with us talking. Lots of sports talk on uh, what is usually kind of a slow time of year, especially if uh, your baseball sucks in your town. <laughs> uh, but it's starting to get a little better with the White Sox at least. And we got a lot of talk about LeBron James. Where is the guy going? Does he need to move to a big market? Uh, I saw an interesting story on ESPN about how the best way to market LeBron James is to to get China involved. To, the, that there's so much money in China with uh, Kobe Bryant, how they all support Kobe. Everyone's got Kobe gear. That's why uh-huh. Kobe's so, so much bigger. And Talking about the best thing that LeBron James can do is get into a market, win championships. Really, that's what the apparently the Chinese people. It's the biggest thing with Kobe is that 
he's winning championships. So put LeBron James in a situation where he can win championships, and I think Chicago is a perfect situation for that. Of course, I'm a little biased. Uh, hoping to talk to Mark Carmen, trying to get him on the line and talk up a little bit LeBron James. But big dog, what's your just? What's going on here? What do you think's going on? Because I actually believe that Chicago has a better chance than many many do. Uh, but most people are thinking that he's probably, when it's all said and done, going to stay in Cleveland. Yeah, I'd have I'd have no problem if he stayed in Cleveland. Like as a Chicago Bulls fan, I want him to come desperately. If he stays in Cleveland, I'll just shrug my shoulders and said, you know what, he did the right thing. Now, if he goes anywhere else. It'll get me upset. I would get mad if he went to New Jersey or to the Knicks or to the Clippers. It would drive me crazy. But if you if you think about it, the, all the signs, forget about what all these rumors. Forget the rumors. Let's just look at the facts uh, of what's going on. Now, Nike's going to pay him, I don't know the exact total, but it's like 20 or $25 million more if he plays in Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, or New York, or New Jersey. Okay, so because they want to be able to market him all over the world, and it's a lot easier from those cities. So, okay, maybe that is the reason why he'll come to Chicago. The whole championship thing, you're exactly right. Nike wants him to win championships and for to be able to market him. And he wants to win championships because he wants to, he really does. He said, it, I, I will not be considered a great player or an all-time great until I win some. And if you think about it, him being added to the Bulls could be, they've got young, very good players in, in Joe Kim Noah, Derrick Rose, and I think even Taj Gibson. To be honest, with you, I think Taj Gibson could be a championship caliber power forward. I agree, he could be a very good guy on a championship team. Exactly, like a piece, a really yeah. solid piece. Okay, and then another thing, Adam, why would he change his number from twenty three to six? I think that like those things point to Chicago makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, and I know I'm biased here, but if I, I've really tried to look at it, other if they go out to the Clippers. He'll be second tier to Kobe out there, okay, in Los Angeles. He wouldn't be the number one guy in his in his own uh, area. And they've got decent young talent, but not like the Bulls have. If he goes to New York, yes, he'll be in the media mecca of the world, and he could lead the NBA in scoring and do all this stuff. But you know what? They're worse than the the Cavs are. If you take away LeBron James and just look at the Knicks and the Cavs, the Cavs are actually better than the Knicks. So why would he want to go there and – all of a sudden you're in the media mecca of the world and people are going to be like, you're bad? You know what I'm saying? And the Nets got, they actually have a better chance of being good before the Knicks do in terms of talent. We'll see what happens with their coaching because Mark uh, D'Antonio can really coach. So I guess the, I guess the, Chicago makes the most sense to me, and I know I'm biased, but I'm, I'm trying to look at it objectively, Adam, and it does make sense for him to come here. Well, here's the thing about Cleveland. I think it's pretty obvious that he's taking Cleveland about as far as they can go. Now, I mean, they had their chance. They were in the NBA Finals. You thought this year they were definitely the team, and they ran into an old Boston Celtics team that obviously knows how to win. And I think that's the thing about Cleveland is they just, the guys around them, you don't have the, the right pieces. It's it's not easy to win an NBA title, and you need a guy like LeBron James, but you also need the surrounding cast. And I think that was proven in Chicago with Michael Jordan. I mean, there was a long time before Michael Jordan was able to win a championship, and it took a supporting cast, the right supporting cast around him, to do that. And obvious, I think it's pretty obvious that Cleveland doesn't have the resources 
to build the right team. They they came as close as I th- personally think they can get. And if LeBron James really wants to win a championship, he needs to go somewhere else. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's New York right now. I think you're absolutely right with what you just said, Big Dog. Like they they don't they're not there. The closest team to me out there, the best supporting cast with the right pieces, are is the Chicago Bulls. And I'm and I'm trying to say that objectively as possible. When you, I mean, no one can argue with me in saying that Derrick Rose is a phenomenal point guard. Joe Kim Noah and Taj Gibson are great big men to work with. And you put a guy like LeBron James in there, and this is all of a sudden a different team and one of the best teams in the East. And you brought up a great point about the pieces, because not only do you need the the two superstars, like the two or the three, because that's either been the formula the whole way. But you look at like the Bulls run, there was always like gigantic contributions from a Kerr or a Wennington or a Cliff Livingston. Like it, or like I remember John Sally having two gigantic blocks against Patrick Ewing in the 1996 playoffs in a close game that went into overtime that the Bulls won. And it was the same thing. You look at the Lakers. Ron Artest and a bunch of threes, you know, down the way. Jordan Farmer giving him a spark off the bench. Shannon Brown, that one game in the, in the finals. All 12 guys got to do something. The Cavs, even if they got that second player, are they going to have the ability to have all the other pieces in order to, uh, you know, even if, do they have the ability to sign a second player? Do you know what I mean? Do, could yeah. they? They would have played wanting to leave Miami. Because no one's even mentioned that, is to have another super to like Chris, like with with LeBron. Well, here's the thing about uh, Dwayne Wade and the, at least the Bulls situation is the Bulls don't have enough room to to sign a, a Dwayne Wade. I mean, two max free agents. I think the Knicks are one of the few teams, and maybe if not the only team, that has enough cap room to sign two max free agents. But the Bulls are trying, actively trying, as we get up to the draft in the next couple of days, to clear more cap space, to trade a Luol Dang and a Kirk Heinrich. And in this market where everyone's trying to lose cap space, that doesn't seem very likely, but it doesn't mean the Bulls aren't trying to do so. And maybe they can work something out to at least sign another good player to get in that mix. I know Carlos Boozer's name has been thrown out there. Uh, uh, Joe Johnson, although he's probably going to be a little bit too too expensive. So there are other options. I, I, I don't think it's just a matter of, hey, let's put LeBron James in the Bulls, and all of a sudden this is the team we got. I think they, I think you're right in that. I think they want to add uh, another player, another pretty good player, to work with LeBron James. Which, which would be awfully nice for the for the Chicago Bulls. Or you know, some, maybe something will happen where they'll have to trade like a sign and trade deal, like uh, the Raptors sign. Uh, Chris Bosch, and then the the Bulls have to send Taj Gibson and the Waldang up to Toronto. So at least Toronto gets a couple decent players and doesn't just totally lose a superstar. And as as much as I think Taj Gibson is going to be a good quality piece, I would really like that because because I, I don't Joe Kim Noah if he scored zero points or twenty points as long as his team won, I think he would be happy. That's what I love about that kid. So you could have a bunch of superstars around Joe Kim Noah, and he would never care as long as they were winning championships. So. A sign and trade might be a possibility in order to bring uh, LeBron here and another player. Hogan, the big dog here on Two Guys and a Mic, talking LeBron James. Where is he going to go? Do you care about the NBA draft? It's in two days. Everyone's talking about LeBron. Does the draft even matter? Of course it matters. I mean, talking about the next round of guys coming into the league, but it's kind of a down year as far as the draft is concerned. I want to talk about these rumors that LeBron James was in town. 
the last couple days. Uh, okay, because I keep hearing different rumors. Some yeah. are from your buddies, too. Well, here's the Guys thing. that you know started the original ones in Highland Park. Uh, who is that? Well, isn't it uh, Justin Weiner? Isn't he your buddy? I don't I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, I, never mind. I thought you were friends with him. <laughs> well, well here, here's the thing. Whether you believe the rumors or not, and the rumors are that he was in Highland Park looking for houses. There's a, There was also a rumor, I think, about a month ago, uh, uh, Eric Ferguson from the mix was saying uh-huh. that he had pretty good sources, saying that LeBron had been staying with Derrick Rose for a few days. And and just looking around the city, maybe looking at houses, and I know some people are like, that hey, can't be true. Why would LeBron James be looking for a house already? Why would he have already decided where he's going to go before July 1st? Well, here's the thing. Because he knows how much he's going to get paid by every team. But yeah, the, the point is, is it doesn't necessarily mean that he's decided. Big Dog, if you could get a radio job in any city and you knew you were going to get a max contract that paid the most money and you could pretty much go wherever you wanted, wouldn't you spend the, the month before you could actually sign a contract going around looking at the best cities where you want to live? It's kind of like uh, recruiting in, in when I play college football. I absolutely. I mean, okay, exactly. TV job, by the way. Please give me a TV job, not radio. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> I can't guarantee it, though, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I mean, people are like, oh, well, just because he's in Highland Park looking at houses, he, he's decided he's going to the Bulls. And, and 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 because of that, the rumor can't be true because that's too crazy of a thought. I, I think it's definitely true. And I why, why wouldn't he be... In New York, looking at places, too. Yeah, I'm sure he's up on the Upper West Side looking at, you know, uh, $3 million condos. Why not? I just think people are kind of missing that. I mean, it just because he's here doesn't mean he's coming here. doesn't mean he's made a decision. It also means that he couldn't have been here. He probably was. The rumor, I believe, is probably true. But that doesn't mean he's coming to the Bulls. He's just looking at places he want to live. Checking out Chicago. Why wouldn't you? Chicago's a great place to be in the summer. Why not spend yeah. the month here, he, he even, even if you weren't coming to Chicago? Like, Chicago's one of the best places. He's like, I vacation there in the summer. you know. So And then two weeks later, he's vacation here in the summer. I guess he didn't realize that he was going to get knocked out of the playoffs when he was saying that. But I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't base any of that stuff on the rumors. If all of a sudden I hear he's uh, in New York or Los Angeles I'm not, or Miami, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, he's going to sign with the Heat or the Clippers. Or, or the Knicks. I'm not going to worry about any of that stuff. By the way, tomorrow the Bulls will have a press conference to officially announce Tom Thibodeau as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, a new head coach. Very, very weird coaching search to me. There was there was like no talk about it whatsoever. It, everyone figured they were waiting for LeBron. And then all of a sudden the story's broken that it's going to be Thibodeau. And then because he was still in the playoffs... And the Blackhawks were in the midst of winning the Stanley Cup. Like it was like the the bottom third, not even a third of the front page of the sports section one day. And then there was nothing. And tomorrow's the press conference. And for for as much talk and criticism as there was about John Paxson, Vinny Del Negro, how about two years of criticism for Vinny Del Negro? The guy should never have been the coach. They wanted to run him out of town. They successfully ran him out of town. And then they hired a new guy. No one cares. It just seems it's, this whole thing's been very, very weird to me. 
Yeah, well, I guess there is just so much going on in the world of sports. Really, I mean, that's, yeah. maybe that's what it is. Uh, like this, there's the the Blackhawks have done a lot for every organization around this particular uh, city. You know, the Bears can went through their mini camp and nobody cared. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, Mike Marks can start instilling offense, and Jay Cutler can work on throwing it to the guys in the in the orange and blue. People never even thought about that. Nobody's even considered the Bears in this particular city. The the Cubs and White Sox were horrific in the middle of May, and nobody even noticed because the Blackhawks took all the focus off. So if you consider that's another thing. This, like you said, the debacle that was the Vinny Del Negro era, no Del Negro era ends, and it, it went by like nobody even cared. So everybody owes Rocky Wirtz and the rest of the Blacks organization a thank you. And speaking of those those Blackhawks, I think this this is a perfect segue to what I really wanted to go on today. If I'm going to go on a rant in this hour, here it comes. I'm just warning you. Okay. This clown Patrick Kane is is <laughs> maybe one of the stupidest athletes. Ever. Ever. I mean, I understand you're only 21 years old, but you're a professional athlete that just won the best trophy in sports, okay? Act like an adult. And, and, I, and you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to go off on that. He's obviously immature. He's obviously an idiot. He's hanging out with that idiot cousin of him, of his, just just all over the city. He's been he's been on a two week bender. You know what? Celebrate. Good for him. Whatever. He is killing his endorsement opportunities. Yeah, that's the one thing he doesn't get. He does not get it. He okay. he he is like killing his future in the I mean, he is going down as a clown in this league. I I mean he's obviously talented enough, but if I'm gonna get if I had if you said today if you had to get rid of one of the best players on this team because you just don't have the cap room, you had to get rid of him. And, and I'm taking out the fact that he, he's probably not the best guy uh, personally to be on the team. I'm taking that out of consideration. I'm just talking about hockey talent. He would be the guy I would get rid of because and, Jonathan Taves is your captain and maybe the third best player in the entire hockey, the entire NHL. Uh, by the way, Jonathan Taves is going to be on the cover of EA Sports NHL. Uh, Eleven, just which, so you know, but um, which is actually what I wanted to to kind of bring up because Patrick Kane was your guy last year, and at this time last year uh, they had well this was kind of when that whole cab incident came out in Buffalo, which was really the first uh, indication we had that Patrick Kane was like this at all. I mean, before it, I remember I was working that day uh, over at six seven the score when that news broke that he had been in that whole situation with the cab driver, and I was like shocked. You look back a year later, and, and happened earlier. And yeah, I'm like, well, why doesn't this happen more? And uh, okay, from a, a good source, I'll just put it that way: from a really good source, uh, someone that knows the Blackhawks extremely well, he's not the he's not the most well liked guy in, in in the clubhouse. So there are there's there's those things where you can say they pay, just say they trade Patrick Kane for very very good hockey players, obviously. You're not going to train for bump. The rest of the guys in the in the locker room might be like, you know what? We lost a lot of talent here, but maybe we can figure it out another way. Hockey's one of those sports where you can will things to happen. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Hockey is about talent. Let's not let's just a bunch of bums out there who try really hard. That doesn't work. We we know that. But uh, unlike other sports, hockey is about the players who work harder, the players who really do have heart and try to do the little things. And if you take a guy off a team that people don't like, they they might like bond together even more, become more close knit as a family. And obviously, you still have to have talent, but it might even help the team. In the long run, by losing a, a guy that is that good with the puck and that fast, because you know what, he's bad defensively. All he Horrible is defensively. Four. He's like they have like he's like the Randy Moss. I'm not saying he's the Randy Moss of the Chicago Blackhawks. He does like this electrifying stuff that nobody else can do, but that's all he does. Well, let me tell you, every chick in this town has a Patrick Kane story. They ha- and and they're not good stories. And, I know and if the you're guy's the, a freaking idiot. And if you're the Blackhawks. For a team that has been all about marketing and having the right image and all this stuff in the last two years, when this starts to die down, I I think Patrick Kane is going to get kind of a a pretty stern lecture and, and, and maybe even a wake up call. But uh, big dog, we we got Mark Carmen on the line, so I do want to switch off the Blackhawks and get to uh, really what I want to talk to him. He's Mark Carmen. He's a big friend of the morning break. He he. He's been around. We both know him really well. Good friend of mine. He's now in Kansas City working for 610 Sports Radio down there. Carmen, thanks for joining us. Let me, before you move along, Adam, and thank you so much for the opportunity. And, Joel, what's going on? What's up, Carm? Let me ask you this. Patrick Kane is single, right? Yeah. So why can't he go out and have fun? No, no, no. Hold on, Carmen. I I go out and have fun. I have a blast. I go hit on multitudes of women. Okay, if you're, don't become Ben Roethlisberger is all that we're worried yeah. about. The stories, the stuff that we've heard is this guy is, there's one thing hitting on every girl because that's, that's what happens if, you, if you're young and you're drunk and you're, you just want to stay in the cup. Don't push the envelope. You don't need to. You know what I'm saying, Carm? I, I Let don't come disagree, to you. but I mean, okay. the guy's not, you, you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he's, I, I still, look, the guy's insane. Don't get me wrong. And he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, the young man who uh, clearly has some uh, maturing to do, but then again, I'm an old man who has some maturing to do. I just think, like, you know, who cares if, if he's if he's going out and hitting on girls in bars and and um, having but fun he, in the bar? He could accidentally get himself into a situation where it looks like he did something wrong where he did it. He's got to well, be careful. He's, he's already done it. I mean, he's been in calves. He's been in. Uh, but Carmen, if you're a young lady in this town right now, and you, yeah. and there's a lot of crazy women out there that would love to get into a lawsuit and get some money out of this guy. I mean, it happens. It's happened to a lot of athletes. I mean, if you're if you're pinning out, if you're trying to pick the one guy to do this to, who's dumb, stupid, and and vulnerable, it's 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 uh it's Patrick Kane right now. Right, but so okay, he'll have to learn. Well, I think he's gonna learn. I mean, I if he hasn't learned, obviously he hasn't learned already. With what happened last last year, I mean, a very minor incident in a cab that he got away with because the guy didn't have a valid license. Right, I understand. My, my one final point, uh, though, on this one is that he, he did score the game-winning goal that won them the Stanley Cup, correct? He did? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's a very good hockey player. Way that's sad. Electrifying hockey player. I was kind of mad when he scored, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that he got the goal. I cannot stand this guy. Before all before all this happened the last two weeks, I couldn't stand this guy. Anyway, Carm, thanks for coming on. You're in Kansas City now. I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> but 
No, Kansas City, Missouri, right? Not Kansas City, Kansas. Same thing, Joel. There is no difference. I'm still trying to figure it out. I live on the Missouri side. I work on the side of Yeah, can you work on that, by the way? Because I I don't think that that's actually uh, legal to have a town that's in two states. I don't get it. It, it, it's it's a it's a very confusing thing, but they've got targets on one side, they got uh, targets on the other side. There's Chipotle everywhere. <laughs> Come on down, it's Middle America. There's nothing better. So, what was the panic level at the last couple of weeks with the expansion talks? I mean, were Jayhawk fans ready to jump off a cliff, want, uh, thinking that they might be in the Mountain West? The panic level, Adam, was uh, if ten is the highest, I would put it at a fourteen. I mean, they were. I mean, you have diehard Kansas people here. Just you drive through neighborhoods, and there's flag after flag after flag, and you know you've got great rivalries: Kansas, Missouri, Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Kansas State, Kansas, and everybody else in the conference for that matter. And they were about to see that all go goodbye, but uh, by, by because of the almighty dollar, and so people were were nauseous about it, but. You know, it ended up working out. They had to sell their soul to Texas, who basically gets all the money, and everybody else, you know, begs for whatever they'll give them. But um, yeah, that's going to be a problem in about ten years. It's going to be a huge problem. Again, it, it might. It, it, I don't know if it takes ten years. I think it it might take two years. But good point. You know, they were point. they were um, you know they were in a terrible position, and there were you know Mountain West that was thrown out there. I'm like, there's no way that Kansas ends up in the Mountain West. But the thing is that. All these people care about is TV markets and football money, and Kansas has neither. They share Kansas City with Missouri, and you're talking about the 32nd market, and you're talking about a team that you know is maybe the premier basketball college that there is, but they're not a football team. So you know they were they're not a premier football team. So they're they were not in a great uh, bargaining position. It's and so if you put them, I thought they would end up in the Big East. But, okay, fine, you're in the Big East. Think about, you know, you, you, the whole traveling and, and everything just becomes a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Well, here's so. what's funny. Uh, how, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of a, a, a team be rumored to go to both the Pac-10 and the Big East. Well, that, that's... <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that's got to... Kansas, I mean, what, what what's that? that was, my, that was my own speculation, more so that you didn't hear a lot about it. You heard, like, a couple rumblings, the geniuses of the world that saw my wavelength that... They would end up at a great basketball conference like that, but you know the okay, fine. Let's put them in the Pac-10. So you're playing Washington and UCLA and USC. I mean, nobody's road tripping for those games. You know, there's not. It's just it, it, it makes college athletics just seem horrendous to me. It, it makes it makes as much sense as having a, a ten-team conference called the Big Twelve and a twelve-team conference called the Big Ten. It makes that much sense. Oh, you're right. That's it. So. College football really is just—it's getting—it's getting ridiculous, and yet somehow, I still love it. I don't. I and, and we watch every single game every year, and at the end of the year, we're all disappointed because of the politics and uh, and all the the backstabbing that goes on. It, it doesn't make any sense, but it happens every year. Carmen, unfortunately, we ran out of time. Real quick though, because I I I really want to know your opinion on this. Where is LeBron James going to end up? I think LeBron James will be a Cleveland Cavalier, wow. and I think he will sign a three-year deal. I think he'll give him. That's my. That's my guess. And then go to the Nets after that. I have no. I will not speculate after that. But I do love LeBron. I love LeBron Appreciation Day in Akron, and uh, I'd love to see him be a Chicago Bull. Obviously, but um, I think he stays. Okay. By the way, LeBron Appreciation Day. That's what LeBad. 
<laughs> I knew, Joel, you were anti-LeBron. Somehow, No, 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 way. you know I love LeBron. I want him here badly. Seriously, I'm not going to be the Chicago guy that drives him away because he does listen to the show. Yeah, there's no question he listens to the show. He's a very wise man. <laughs> Thanks, Carmen. Thanks, right, Carmen. Thanks for me on. Yep. Ran out of time here. It's a short hour, but happy to be I mean, it's been a few months since I've been here, Joel. It's, and I'm, I'm glad I could be here in studio and I talked to you on the phone for the hour. It's been fun. Yeah, heck yeah, Adam. It's always good to it's always good to talk to you, my friend. All right. I want to thank David Olson, our outstanding producer behind the glass, Mark Carmen for coming on, of course Big Dog, and Coach for letting me sit in for him. It's been a fun hour. I'm Adam Hogue. That's the big dog, Joel Radwanski. This has been two guys and a mic.